Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven." For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. As a little aside, I find it uh, amusing. I feel like Jesus uh, was not familiar with winter in Wisconsin when he said that salt was good for nothing when trampled underfoot. I think it's good for lots of things on a day like today, Uh, but that's beside the point. So let's start with a little fill-in-the-blank. The The other two services got this really well. I think you will too, uh, even with slightly thinner crowd. Listen, my children, and you shall hear of the midnight ride of Paul Revere. Revere. Excellent. All right, you know your American history. You know your 19th century American poetry. So begins Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's famous poem depicting that night that ignited the American Revolution. The city of Boston is under British occupation. The British army is threatening to squash any hint of a rebellion. And Revere and others devise this plan to take the British army by surprise. And so their secret signal, as Longfellow writes in his poem, one if by land... Two if by sea. Yes, referring, of course, to the number of lanterns that would be placed in the steeple of Old North Church in in Boston. Lanterns shining in the night as a signal, a military signal in this case, lighting the way for revolution. It also reminds me of the old advertising slogan for Motel 6. We'll leave the light on for you. I was watching a few of those commercials to prepare for this sermon. I mean, uh, to distract myself from writing the sermon. You know, sermon prep, pastor stuff. Um, We'll leave the light on for you. A sign of hospitality and safety and welcome for road-weary travelers. Or maybe at home we leave our own porch lights on for company coming over late at night. Or for the pizza delivery driver trying to find our house in the dark. Or when young kids are scared at home in their rooms at night, we leave nightlights on to disrupt the pitch black and to keep the stuff of nightmares at bay. We know that light is powerful. It's a powerful 
image, particularly in the Christmas and Epiphany seasons that we've just emerged from. Jesus comes as the light of the world, the light that shines in the darkness, the light that no darkness can overcome, the light that reveals God's glory and God's promise to all people and all nations. And then in our gospel today, Jesus is continuing along in his Sermon on the Mount that he began in our reading last week. And he flips the tables and tells the crowds, you are the light of the world. And in Greek, that's a plural you. Y'all are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others. Words that we use in our baptismal liturgy, words we used when we baptized baby Cameron here last night. Claimed as God's own children, we are called to be lights to the world as together we make those promises in our baptism to bear God's creative and redeeming love to all the world. Okay, so what does that look like? What does light do? Well, light shines, right? Light illuminates something else. It reveals something or makes it known. Think about the first time that you realized, hopefully when you were much younger than you are now, that the moon actually doesn't give off its own lights. If I've just shattered anybody's understanding of the moon, I know, Greg, right? Uh, But it's basically just a giant dark rock, kind of useless on its own, although I guess there's some gravitational pull stuff that I don't completely understand because I didn't do very great in science in high school. But without the sun to illuminate it, we wouldn't really know it's there at night. Which leads me to an observation that light doesn't exist as an end to itself, but in order to reveal something else. We talk about the the binary of light and dark as though they're two opposite things, and in many ways they are, but it's interesting that light needs darkness in order to be light. The two are in a relationship like that. Light doesn't exist as an end to itself, but to reveal something else. Like that lantern signal in a church steeple, or a nightlight in a darkened room. It lights the way. The sun illumines the moon. A lamp on a lampstand gives light to all in the house. And in the same way, our light doesn't shine for its own sake. But it shines, as Jesus says, so that all might see our good works, our serving our neighbors, uh, and our working for justice and peace and equality in the world. And it's not to pat ourselves on the back and to show off. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to God in heaven. This is about witnessing to God's love for all people and for all creation. Okay, but how? It strikes me perhaps this weekend in particular that it's easy to become absorbed in the business of being church. Budgets, reports, annual meetings, quorum counts, worship attendance, property maintenance, All important things, surely. But Jesus never said, 
Let your light shine before others that they might see your pristine annual reports, your perfectly balanced budgets, or your increasing membership roster. Sometimes it feels a lot like the business of being church acts like a bushel basket, obscuring or even extinguishing the light. We worry that we won't have enough or that we're not doing enough or individually we worry that we're not good enough or that we have nothing to offer and sometimes in an effort to preserve what we do have we worry about that dreaded word change and we try to keep things exactly as they are for as long as they possibly can be and how well does that ever work out sometimes Dear church, it feels like we can become like that bushel basket. But here's the promise and the good news of Jesus. You are the light of the world. Do you hear the change in emphasis? You are the light of the world. That's not a command or wishful thinking. It's a statement of fact of something that already is true. We are the light of the world. It's part of who we are now as children of God who are called and sent by God. We already have everything we need. We are enough. We are good enough. And we do have something to offer. To quote one of my favorite poets, Wendell Berry, What we need is here, here, in water, in bread and cup, in being together as the people of God. Here is where we are fed and nourished and strengthened. Here is where Christ, the light of the world, makes us God's own holy people, light for the world to see. Here, Christ is our light and gives light to all. And as we'll sing and pray in our hymn of the day, shine in our hearts, shine through the darkness, shine in your church gathered today. Longfellow actually wrote his poem about Paul Revere some 80 years after the events that he describes in that poem. And he takes a few historical liberties for emphasis But he writes this poem when the country is on the verge of its next great war, the Civil War. And while Revere's lanterns lit the way toward revolution, I suspect that Longfellow would have been more acquainted with a different lantern, himself an ardent abolitionist, an opponent of slavery. Longfellow would have known the lanterns of the Underground Railroad shining brightly in the windows of safe houses, lighting the way toward freedom. In one scene from the recent film Harriet that I saw uh, just this past week, depicting the life of underground railroad conductor and herself a freed slave, Harriet Tubman, she confronts her fellow abolitionist, William Till, and this scene in the movie comes after Harriet herself has already escaped and found freedom in Philadelphia, And at this point, she's already brought back at least nine others of her family and friends. And she's gained quite a reputation among 
the slave owners of the South, not in a good way. And so, understandably, still is fearful for her life and her safety if she goes back. And he's fearful that if she goes back and gets caught, she'll expose this entire network and operation of bringing slaves to freedom. But Harriet is defiant and stubborn, and she won't take no for an answer, and eventually still relents. And by some counts, Harriet goes on to light the way to freedom for over 300 slaves, by some counts even more. Sometimes letting our light shine just means getting out of the way and trusting the light to do its thing. We let our light shine when we celebrate the ministries of unity now. We let our light shine when we let God's love shine through us, instead of letting worry or fear hold us back. Let your light shine and let it shine brightly and boldly and unhindered. This annual meeting weekend, we celebrate where we've been as a congregation and we imagine where the Spirit is leading us into the future. And maybe we can take our cue from that Motel 6 advertising campaign Who are we leaving the light on for? For our community, for our neighbors, for our partners, for the world, for generations to come. To paraphrase an original song from the movie Harriet, when we do what we can, when we can, while we can, we let our light shine lighting the way toward the transformation of the world now and into the future. Thanks be to God. Now we get a chance.